Hey y'all, welcome to Best Virginia, the podcast where we talk about the fascinating history, culture, and folklore of the wild and wonderful state of West Virginia. You got shot, you got stabbed, you lost everything that you had. There ain't no time to wonder why, but to hang your head and cry, oh no. You guys are a quarterly magazine, correct? Yeah, yeah. So we're a quarterly print magazine, and we have a website uh, where we put um, a digitized version of the quarterly magazine up as like an e-reader on the issue platform, and then we publish regularly on the website itself. And uh, we actually just launched an email newsletter, so I definitely would encourage interested folks to go on our website and sign up for that. And we also just launched a um, subscription service for the print magazine as well. So for folks who are out of state and can't pick up a free copy or for those who would like to support us, uh, we would definitely appreciate it. And you can go on our website and subscribe to the print magazine as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, what is your website yeah, for it, listeners? Uh, Highland-outdoors.com. Okay, simple enough. Yeah. <laughs> so how long has the magazine been around? A good friend of mine in Morgantown named Eric Lee started uh, a publication in 2014 called Chief Canyon Adventures, and that started as kind of a passion project of his, um, just covering uh, all the awesome outdoor activities you can do in the Chief Canyon area, um, like the Chief Lake area around Morgantown there. Um, I met him on a rock climbing trip in 2014 as well, and I wrote my first article for him then, and uh, then I kind of got on board. And in 2016, uh, Eric Lee acquired the Gorge Guide, which was a similar style of publication uh, published by um, a woman named Christina Oakdahl down in Fayetteville on the New River Gorge. When he acquired the Gorge Guide, he rebranded 
his company uh, under the Highland Outdoors banner, where he published uh, the Canyon Guide and the Gorge Guide magazines. So the Canyon Guide covered kind of the northern part of the state, the Alleghenies, like the Potomac Islands, and then the Gorge Guide, of course, covered that, um, like the New River Gorge region. Uh, at that point, I became the managing editor of the publication um, and helped grow the editorial content kind of scope of the magazine using the uh, uh, the network that I had built up, being an outdoor enthusiast in this state for about 20 or so years. Um, in 2018, uh, Eric and his wife Kaylee uh, were about to have a baby, and uh, Eric had his full-time job, so he offered us the chance to acquire the business from, from him, so we jumped on it. I'm extremely grateful for that chance he gave us, and uh, so we took it over in 2018. And then we just consolidated everything and just made it Highland Outdoors Magazine. Uh, our first issue of that new ownership was in winter of 2018. And then in 2019, Nikki took over the design. Um, I give a lot of credit to her. She was finishing her PhD at Pitt, and she taught herself in design, which is an Adobe product, and learned how to design the magazine while finishing a PhD. Wow. Um, so 2019 was when we really overhauled uh, kind of the brand and the business and the design and made the magazine kind of, um, you know, the feel and voice that you've seen since that point. Wow, that's awesome. Thanks for that kind of yeah. rundown of your all's history. That's all pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, sure. um, so I, I'm glad to hear it sounds like you guys are still growing. And I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah, this has been, uh, I mean, from the second week took it over, it's hitting the ground running and um, kind of flying, flying by the seat of our pants. Uh, every day is an adventure. A lot of them are harrowing. A lot are really exciting, uh, always rewarding. Um, but the past, uh, since last July, really, is when we've really seen a lot of growth. Um, we were able to get some technical assistance grant funding from uh, Woodlands Development Group, which is a social enterprise nonprofit based out of Elkins in Randolph County. So a huge shout out to them uh, for funding us. And we were able to use that funding to get a new website, uh, which our friend Victoria Weeks, who owns Very Glass Media here in Tucker County, which is a web design development group. They do great work. They helped us make a new website, which we launched in December of last year. And uh, that also allowed us to kind of get the online infrastructure up to launch subscriptions. So we've really seen a lot of growth in the past year, kind of based on those, those um, based on those elements there. Well, for sure. And, and I love, you know, I just love hearing that whenever it sounds like you all have been around the block, you know, as far as being involved with a couple of different projects that ended up being consolidated to make the Highland Outdoors magazine. And, you know, to hear that it's still growing, even though things have been pretty crazy, you know, that's one yeah, thing is the outdoor stuff doesn't go away. Yeah, and the right. pandemic has really led to a huge increase in outdoor tourism in the, so, so many places, um, like national parks especially. And even here, you know, we saw traffic jams at Dolly Sods and Fayetteville saw a huge boost in tourism because people were just looking for ways to get outside safely. Um, right. and so it's really brought a lot of attention, I think, to the outdoor resources that are in West Virginia and what makes this place so special. Yeah, and uh, for what feels like a decade and more, the West Virginia Tourism Office has been 
using the statistic of uh, the fact that we are within a day's drive of 60% of the population of the country. They've been using that as a selling point. I think that with this past year with the pandemic and people not traveling, I think we saw that chicken really come home to roost. And uh, we saw that visitation balloon. A lot of trailheads that were not very popular were packed midweek, uh, which is pretty rare. And that's even during like the butt season. So like November, like the shoulder season when a lot of people aren't out because it's rainy and muddy and it's not snowing yet, but there's not leaves on the trees yet. We still saw a lot of people utilizing a lot of the public lands around here, which is fantastic. You know, we own them all. Uh, they're for everybody. And the outdoors is for everybody. And we, we, and we definitely welcome that. Uh, but it was, it was pretty wild to see uh, the increase in visitation in just that short amount of time. Oh yeah. that's amazing. Um, Last summer, and that's something I've just, you know, just being able to, without all the statistics and stuff, just being able to visit some of these places and be like, wow, this is way more crowded than I've ever seen it before. Um, like I went to, I went and spent the day on Summersville Lake with my friend. They had, they were camping out there, him and his kids and his wife. And I spent the day hanging out with them and they, they usually spend the summer out there and they get, um, they ran a campsite and all that and they take their camper out there and they said that that's, I think that's the first year. Last year was the first year where they stayed. Every spot was filled up for like the whole summer. Like wow. they, they were totally wow. rented out the whole time at that campground. Yeah. Yeah. I think we saw that happen. Um, even with like uh, dispersed camping areas scattered through the Mon National Forest. Um, you know, there'll be primitive campsites, unbrewed campsites just on the side of gravel roads out there in the boondocks and, there were people from all over the country showing up those spots all summer long, uh, which was just wild, wild to see. Um, but, you know, we talk about crowding, and the crowding that we saw this summer was still nothing like places out west that are true outdoor hotspots experience on a, on a regular basis. So we've still got it really good here in Mountain State. Absolutely. I hope you all are enjoying this episode of Best Virginia. I just wanted to take a second to tell you guys about some of the great merch I offer. If you go to teespring.com, that's T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G.com, and search for Best Virginia Podcast, you can find Best Virginia t-shirts, hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, COVID-19 face masks, and coffee mugs, as well as other things that I'll be adding in the meantime. Now, back to the show. I think we're starting to, like you said earlier, I think we're starting to see that we're our state's actually finally getting the attention it deserves definitely on the outdoors front because we've got so much to offer um and i think it's really going to be kind of a game changer with the new river gorge uh being named a national park you guys care to talk a little bit about that yeah so uh that is a big conversation it's definitely multifaceted um there are folks of all walks of life on all sides of uh the conversation i guess um, yeah, we just had a uh, we just published a piece on our on our website about that, um, kind of diving into some of the more nuanced issues of it. Um, I think, and I think it's 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 tough for us to sit here and talk too deeply about it because we don't live in Fayetteville. Uh, we're frequent visitors there. We definitely feel like part of the community there because there's just a great outdoor community there, and we're friends with a lot of those folks. But we don't live there, so I do. Um, I'm hesitant to talk for those people, um, but based on our understanding of the whole issue that is uh, the New River Gorge becoming a national park and preserve, 
Um, it sounds like a lot of folks view it as a as a good and and bad thing. It's obviously good in that uh, it re- it kind of results in some more permanent protection for that area, which in terms of diversity and its ecological importance is huge. Um, but it also will definitely result in uh, pressures on the infrastructure there in Fayetteville. Uh, there's a lack of parking already. Uh, they saw that in the area uh, with increased COVID visitation last year. There are actually a lot of issues with sequicoliform uh, and other drainage going into the New River. So a lot of people are trying to leverage that being a national park um, with trying to get some of that drainage cleaned up so that there is cleaner water flowing into the New River watershed. Um, some of the other issues that are definitely being exacerbated by that uh, deal with affordable housing in the area. The housing market in, in Fayetteville, from what I understand, is pretty hot right now. And uh, there's been a big push in people buying up homes to rent out as Airbnbs and also second homes. Uh, that's something that we face and know very well uh, here in the Canadian Valley area. Yeah, and I knew this is a big conversation because I, sure. I, I shared, um, you know, just the initial article that I saw whenever, I forget even who published it, um, whenever it was first announced and got kind of some mixed uh, feedback on, you know, people from the area. And I'd like to encourage, you know, some of them to, you know, to speak out, you know, if it's, if it's something that it, that's directly going to affect you and let people know, because otherwise you only know what you see, you know, it is a pretty complex issue. It seems like. Yeah. I mean, I think overall, you know, like you were saying, just to, like, backtrack a little bit. I mean, it is pretty amazing that it's named National Park. Like, we live in here, you know, you see the bridge and you know the New River Gorge, and you're like, wow, this is a stunning landscape. And then just learning more about the biodiversity that is there and how many different plant ecosystems are there and how many animals live there and just the phenomenal recreation assets that are in that area. It's, like, a (laughs) no-brainer that it's, become a national park and it was cool to see that it was being managed in kind of a really unique way so it's the only national park and preserve in the lower 48 um i think the only other ones in alaska and so that's kind of allowed hunting and fishing access um in ways that were kind of consistent so it doesn't prevent people who are used to using that land for hunting from accessing it except for a very small parcel of it and so that shows that they do care and listen to people's opinions, you know, and it's worth speaking up about them. I think with any, it's really, you know, I think that's a big, huge question and, you know, naming this a national, the new national park captures it well, but there's always this question of, okay, how do you grow tourism and outdoor, you know, the outdoor economy in a way that also promotes the growth of, the residents that live there and make it possible and run businesses and lead guiding services um, and kind of make it possible for people to come visit and have the experiences that they do. And so I think as long as people speak up and make your concerns heard and you fight, you know, to have it, have your voice heard as well, I think those are all really important ways and a necessary first step to ensure that the way things go in the future are a way that keeps, you know, West Virginia mm-hmm. still have the assets that you love about it. I also think that, that this example of the New River Gorge is a good proxy for the larger issues in the state. You know, the fact that 
it happened means that it's a done deal. So it's now a national park and desert. So they will see increased visitation. We don't know how much yet until we've got some time to, uh, to you know, study those figures. Uh, and we do plan on doing kind of a follow-up article maybe at the end of summer where we can, um, we can look at what is actually happening there instead of just projecting, which is what all the articles are, you know, doing at this point in time. But I guess what I'm getting at is that we can use this as a proxy, and it's already happened. So for the people who view it as a negative thing, people should leverage it and see what they can do to get the outcomes that they want. And I fully trust the awesome community in Fayetteville to get that done. Fayetteville has been a banner community for the state in terms of how to grow an outdoor recreation community. Uh, there are wonderful people there who, are, who have done awesome things, and they've just given the town such a uh, such a cool vibe uh, that people love and that people you know are passionate about living there. So I fully trust in, in the folks that are the movers and shakers there to get things done and and you know make the best out of the situation uh, that having this national park is there. I also want to remind people that the New River was managed by the national park since I think the 70s, and since that time we have had a national river managed by the National Park Service. So all this designation does is change kind of the status of it, and that's draw in, in more folks. I think I think a lot of those folks will be kind of the travelers who, you know, want to come and get their national park stamps because they want to go to all the national parks. Um, and that's great. So I think that uh, a lot of people don't realize that it was already, in a way, kind of a national park for this. Absolutely. And that's all really well said. And uh, Nikki, I just wanted to touch on what you said a little bit ago um, that you described it very well. And then Dylan, you know, kind of set, talking about it as a proxy for all the other issues to be talked about. Uh, that That's also well said, you know, with and I think <laughs> I think with, you know, like and, and like you said, Dylan, with it being managed by the National Park Service for quite a while now, it's since the 70s that's around 50 years um give or take and you know i think that you know a lot of people don't know that and as well we have you know national forests as well Uh, okay yeah yeah so bear rock was designated as a national natural landmark that was big news too for this region and uh you know a lot of people complained about it because they're like oh you know it's already crowded and and this and that but the folks who who had a hand in pushing for that designation don't think that it's going to lead to increased visitation more so than, you know, Instagram is already. So, uh, the Bear Rocks is, a, is, just, is just a spectacular place, and I'm thrilled that it's, that it's given that status, and now, and now it has that permanent protection. That's extremely important to these areas. Absolutely. And I think that is that is an important thing, too, that with, you know, with those designations, it does bring the protection and the, you know, making sure that it does get preserved to some extent and, and, you know, taken care of and respected. And, right. and I do think, you know, and this is just me talking off the top of my head. I don't know exactly, but I think the types of people that typically visit national parks and national forests and stuff like that usually have a, at least some decent level of respect to the land and, and do intend to take care of it. Yeah, definitely. And I think it presents an opportunity for people to learn as well. So I was just reading about how, like, leave no trace wilderness principles. It's like with so much, you know, excitement and enthusiasm for the outdoors, maybe it's time to reexamine those and expand them a bit. And 
can make them more inclusive and make sure that everybody has access to knowledge about how to treat, you know, public land so that you leave them better than you left them, or at the very least, without any clear trace of your impact. And so I think as outdoor activities and outdoor adventures become more popular, it also creates a lot of really amazing opportunities for education and training and outdoor schools and nonprofits that are dedicated to really helping teach people how to be in the outdoors responsibly and maybe not just go on a hike, but also do a trash cleanup sometime or do a river cleanup and give back a little bit because we get so much from spending time out there and everybody should have a chance to do that and experience it in the same way. And I think that people who who come to these places, whether they come on their own accord or they come because they saw news even in our magazine about these places and they want to go check them out, anyone who spent time in any conservation position will you know, definitely say that if you bring people to these places and they have this formative experience there, that's going to increase the chances that they actively support conservation of future lands. And I think that especially in a place like West Virginia where we have a lot of environmental degradation, uh, you know, as a, as a legacy impact from the coal industry and, and timber and oil and gas, you know, any, any one of those extractive industries, it's crucial that we get more people on the side of support for conserving public land. Uh, you know, because the alternative is just more is more extraction usually here in Appalachia. Yeah, absolutely, and that's important. Um, you know, just taking care of the land because we love it. You know, everyone does, and mm-hmm. you know, and also the impact that it has on the future, and you know, just all the things you all said. You said it way better than I could. This has been another episode of Best Virginia Podcast, created and hosted by me, Jordan Mitchell. Featuring guests Dylan Jones and Nikki Forrester. And featuring music by 18 Strings. As always, thanks for listening. Stay wild, stay weird, and stay wonderful.